0: If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, my subject this morning... Keeping in the theme of thankfulness is learning contentment. There are so many topics that are important to our Christian faith that the world just doesn't understand, just doesn't get it. It's just they hear us say one word and they hear another contentment is one of those words. They hear all kinds of other different things, and I'm going to address that today. But last week, I talked about gratitude as an overall idea or way of living. And this morning, I want to drill into one of the most powerful ingredients of living a life of gratitude, and that's contentment. Philippians chapter 2, I'll begin reading in verse number 10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to want, for I have learned in whatever state that I am in to be content. I know how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everything and all things I have learned to be both full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can't imagine a good, godly Christian household that doesn't have that phrase somewhere on a T-shirt or a mug or a plaque. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Most of us know the phrase, keeping up with the Joneses. Living your life based on what you see other people Doing or have. Not being able to enjoy what you have or what you've been blessed with if someone else has something different or something more or has progressed to a point that you haven't yet. Especially if that person is close. A relative or a neighbor. Keeping up on appearances, keeping up on image, keeping up on lifestyle solely based on someone else. Always comparing, whether it be jobs, always comparing home, family. Not always a someone, though. It could be keeping up with a group of people that you decided you want to be a part of. Keeping up with a certain culture. Even keeping up with people in church. I know there are many churches that have different cultural dynamics to them. But I've been to churches where, I'm just going to say how I I perceive it. Sunday was a day of worship. Sunday was a day to glorify the Lord. Sunday was, let's see who's got the biggest hat day. And that could be fine. But is it a a comparison? To be content in the original language, in Greek, what Paul is saying to these Philippian Christians is to have a satisfaction that is independent of external circumstances. This is a peace that is independent of your neighbors, independent of your family, independent of your friends, independent on what is being advertised at the moment as in or hip. My sons learned a long time ago, I, even in my teenage years, was not in nor was I hip. Just, Just don't care about it. Never cared. Being cool was never something I aspired to. But I want to be clear from the beginning. The Bible nowhere is against having a desire for nice things or desire to grow or desire to have more. The problem that the Bible identifies is not the issue of a desire for more. It is this whole concept of coveting. That is not something new. In Exodus chapter 20, verse number, uh 17, in the Ten Commandments, God says, You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. This is not about basic or normal desire for something or improving. This desire that is bound into coveting is destructive. This is a hunger that never gets satisfied. That no matter how much you have, no matter how much you've been blessed with, you're never satisfied. This desire perceives one is a failure unless you have not just what others have, but more than others have. This can call it like I see it. This is plain and simple idolatry. This isn't a problem with what you see. It's a problem deep within our hearts. Mark chapter 7, verse number 20, Jesus says, and he said, What comes out of a man that defiles him? For from within, out of the heart of man, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And defile a man. Like so many other things, covetousness and a lack of contentment is an issue in the heart, not just with the eyes. And how serious is this? First Corinthians chapter five, verse number twelve, Paul says, But now I have written to you that not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater, a reviler, a drunkard extortioner, not even to eat with such a person. Now, the context of 1 Corinthians is a church that was so carnal that Paul was laying groundwork to move them to a better and more mature place. But in all these things, in so many of them that we could agree are things we should avoid, and people who live this way, it might not be the most healthy for us to have deep, intimate relationships with them. He names covetousness. As one of those things. Everything I do have, regardless of how much it is or how much it isn't, everything I have is a gift from Almighty God. Therefore, I need to appreciate the gifts that God has given me. I need to be grateful for the gifts God has given me. And I need to give God praise for the gifts God has given me. The definition of whether or not I've been blessed isn't comparing myself to someone else or what others have. That's insane. There's always going to be someone who has more. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, starting in verse number 18, Solomon says, Here is what I have seen. It is good and is fitting for one to eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him for it is his heritage as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given power to eat of it to receive the heritage and rejoice in his labor this is a gift from God. When you realize how much God has given us how much he has blessed us how much Of a gift we have all around us. Contentment is not gained. By the acquisition of things. Contentment is not achieved. By position or status. It is not about having the right job. It is not about having the right man. Or the right woman. It is not about having the right house. It is not about waiting for people in your life. That you care so much for. To walk in the right way. Now it hurts when people we love. Don't walk as they should. Don't walk the way God teaches. But God's initial answer to this pain is a peace that He gives us that makes no sense to other people. God gives a peace that is not tied to external circumstances. God gives you and I a peace that is tied to something that never changes. God is good. God is good, and because he is good, I can always walk in peace, no matter how much of a mess the people around me that I care about make of their lives. Now I care about them, and it can drive us nuts. I know none of you have people in your life that drive you nuts. None of you have people in your life that are walking the wrong way, so you can use these teachings, this word, to help somebody else. God's peace is not linked to the way others choose to live. God's peace is not about being treated right. Anyone ever been treated wrong? Been mistreated, been humiliated, been let down. Having God's peace is about knowing who sits on the throne, who died for your sins, and realizing that God no matter how you see things around you, is still working things out. The end has not happened yet. Thankfully, it's not happened in my life, and it's not happened in the lives of those we care about. And it's also not done in the lives of those we don't care about. God is still working. Spiritual maturity is being able to admire without the need to acquire I had a friend who loved new cars and loved new expensive cars. But he had a job that didn't support his love for new expensive cars. It just didn't. So if, this is when I worked in a school district, this is years ago. So if someone would pull in with a new expensive car, like, say, the superintendent, he, I would admire the car he would lust after the car and there's a difference he would look at things in a different way he would look at the person who drove the car in a different way usually looking down on them that's not peace God wants us to have contentment We need to be a people who can say, I'm glad you got your promotion, even if I was overlooked for one myself. I'm happy that you and your family are doing well, even if mine aren't. I'm joyful at the arrival of a newborn child in your life, even if one has not come into your life. As God's people, we're not waiting for better paying jobs. We're not waiting for a a bigger house or a better home. We're not waiting for more time off. We're not waiting for our kids to get their lives together. We're not waiting for anybody to start walking right. What we're waiting for is for Jesus to come back. And in the meantime, we have a peace in our hearts. And we can be content. Before we can enjoy life and serve the Lord, we're not waiting for any of these things to be able to serve him with a heart of gladness. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. I remember many years ago, I've gone through different transitions in my life, and I was where I've been out of work. That happens in different situations that we deal with. And at one point, I was always raised that all work, as long as you give it your best, is honorable. So I accepted a position that just drove some of my friends absolutely nuts. And don't look down on me too much. I accepted the position of a telemarketer yeah I know one of those creepy people who call you on the phone that was me for about a week because a friend of mine heard that I had because I was asking people I'll do anything do you have any work for me even though it's in construction and no one said anything I was a week as a telemarketer one of my friends in construction found out he says no I gotta find something for you to do I can't have you do that But we need to have this idea that whatever you do, we're doing it for the Lord. We're not doing it for a bank account. We're not doing it for status. We're not doing it for prestige. We're not doing it so we can make people feel good about where we are in life. I'm serving the Lord in whatever I do. I serve Jesus and he blesses me. Life can be uncertain. Relationships, even family relationships can be uncertain. Do I have to say society can be uncertain? And our economy, well, that's always good, right? Can be uncertain. But church, Jesus is a sure thing. Always has been, always will be. He is the son of God. Trying to find contentment through the things around us, through this world, is a dead end. And it's hurting the church. The church has not demonstrated it's immune to looking to celebrities, looking to who has success based on the world's standards, thinking that we have to lower our truths in order to be able to reach other people. We will stand on the word of God. We will love people, and, but it's not loving people to lie to them. And it's a lie to them to say that God really didn't mean this or that. But we love people, and we want to care for them. And one of the ways we love them is by standing on truth. We don't measure ourselves by other people. We don't measure ourselves by the world. And we don't even measure ourselves by one another. Now, we want to be a godly influence to one another. But we do that by together learning to be content. A key component of being content is adjusting your vision, what you see, what, and understanding to see as God sees. You know, when God looks at some of the people in your life that are driving you crazy, he sees precious people that he's got plans for, being able to see what God sees. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting in verse number 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, somebody say amen, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which, we are, which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God has a crown of glory prepared for each and every one of you. God has a home in heaven that he is preparing for you to live eternally. God is pleased with you and calls you his precious child. That is the truth of every life here today. And we need to pray for our country. We realize the times we live in and what we see and what is being communicated to us in the natural. And it doesn't always look good. In fact, often it looks awful. So we pray for our country. We pray for our world. We pray for our church. We pray for the church. And we need to pray for revival against, um, amongst God's people. But while we're doing all of this, and while the need for all of this remains so clear, Paul says we can be content. We can have a peace and a joy that is not tied to anything external to us. Now, I need to be clear with this because he gets misunderstood. Contentment is not complacency. You ever been told because you didn't go off the deep end or just get all angry and upset or because you weren't reacting the same way to something that someone else was, that you didn't care? Ever been told that if you cared, you would be angry? If you cared, you would be screaming? If you, would, if, if you cared, you would lose sleep? I don't, I've never understood how losing sleep means I care. All that losing sleep means is I'm tired. How does that mean I care? And in fact, when I get tired, trust me, I don't care. All I care about is getting some sleep. I've never understood that. This is not about being complacent. But when we get all flustered and when we get all angry, when we go off the deep end, what we're demonstrating is that we think there's something we can do that's more effective when the reality is the one who needs to be engaged is God, and he's not impressed with our fits of rage. Paul says we can be content. Contentment is not settling for less. It is not giving up. It is not just being passive. Contentment is realizing that your life is a journey and it's not over. As long as you're breathing. Anybody breathing here today? Yeah, you can raise your hand if you're breathing. I need to see every hand go up. (laughs) You get concerned if you're not breathing and you're still listening to me. Contentment is realizing that your current situation, no matter what it is, is not the final chapter. That God will decide. His is always the final voice. I want to think about contentment as one of the purest forms of faith. Think about what Paul communicated to this church. He told them, Yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, verse 13 of Philippians 4. But what did he say he could do? I know how to be hungry. I know how to be full, not hungry. I know how to be abased or brought low. In the original Greek, that actually means being reduced or humbled, even humiliated. I know how to abound, to have more than enough, to have excess, to triumph over things. I know how to suffer need. This isn't just about experiencing things. Everybody experiences hunger. But he's saying, I know how to do it. How to do it in a way that I can cultivate contentment. I know how to be abased. Anyone ever tell you off and they were wrong and you knew they were wrong? I mean, they told you off and in front of people. And, of course, your initial human reaction was to just smile at them and say, Jesus loves you and I'm going to pray for you. No, it wasn't. You wanted to punch their lights out. This is not just about experiencing the difficulties that we go through in life. But knowing how to do it in a way that your life continues to bring God glory and give him praise. He's actually saying, I know how to be hungry well. I know how to be humbled gracefully. I know how to suffer with joy. And we're going to say, but I can't do that. That's why verse 13 is there. Because I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It doesn't matter what I go through. It doesn't matter who sits in the White House. It doesn't matter who controls the Senate or the House. It doesn't matter what this country's philosophy of what is right and wrong becomes. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can live a life of peace. I can live a life of power. I can do all of these things because I'm not tied to external circumstances. I can be content even when those I care about deeply go terribly the wrong way. And not only travel that way, but make their home that way. And it hurts. We want the best for those we care about. But we can do this. Because that's a witness. Because is, how is everybody else reacting to everything around us? It amazes me on social media since the overwhelming majority of the people that I'm connected with on social media are Christians. Overwhelming majority. One thing comes out of alignment, one thing goes in the wrong direction, and they're calling for all out revolution. You know, there have been reasons in human history, even reasons in American history, to have a revolution. I'm sorry. The price of gasoline is not one of them. It just isn't. It's not a reason to have a revolution. But I know that no matter what happens in the economy, my God will provide for me. My God will take care of me. He will answer the cries of his people. And I can be content in that. That's a hard thing to do. But we can do this. And the truth is, there is a peace, and not just a peace, a closeness in our relationship with Jesus that is beyond compare. That no matter what state that we are in, learn to be content. Now, Some of this might be, for me, part of uh, my personality. Um, I don't know. I've been surrounded by people, especially in my work life, by who, that who are not content people. Just leave it at that. I get told often because they think a situation is critical or they think a situation is important or they think a situation requires a certain level of visibly displayed urgency. Harm, I want you to work on this. But I need you to show me that you care about it. And my response is usually, I will show you I care about it because I will get it done. If what you're looking for is for me to lose sleep or for me to lose peace or for me to get all upset or for me to start talking the way you do normally or for me to go off the deep end, then give it to somebody else. Because that to me is not care, that is fear. And I will not walk in fear. I will not walk in this level of anxiety. We have enough problems in our society today with anxiety. Just look at the the various types of medication we have for anxiety. But we need to walk in faith. Now, I'm not speaking against medication. Believe me, I have my evening... Medication that I take for high cholesterol. There are many of you that have other things in your body that you're dealing with. But when it comes to getting something done or reacting to the world around us or dealing with some of the uncertainties in life, you have a king who cares about you. You have a God who loves you. Thus, this is something that can bring peace. Are there things all of us get anxious about? Of course there are. That's why Paul said, I have learned. He didn't just snap his fingers and say a quick prayer. That word for learned is learning over a long period of time. Paul learned contentment in a Philippian jail. It's amazing to me that he's writing about contentment to a church where one of the last times he was in that city, he was in a jail singing at midnight. And he said, I have learned to be content. That's how he was able to sing at midnight. No matter how it looked, no matter how it felt, no matter how tortured he had been, no matter how his body reeked with pain, I can be content in whatever state I am in so how about you today where are we today in a culture that continually demonstrates that flying off the handle emotions is the only way to get things done to achieve victory in life my comments have always been go ahead have a nervous breakdown. In fact, you can have mine. Because I'm not going there. And one thing you can never say about me, don't ever say, I don't care. I do care. The proof is I pray for, th- for a lot of things. A lot of people. Because I know the one who can make a difference. Has he made a difference in your life? Has he really demonstrated over and over again that no matter what you go through, no matter how you are treated, he will stand by your side as your defender and as your king? What could bring more peace? You know, God is our father. So in many liturgical circles, Jesus is often referred to as our brother, which there's a, a, a point there to be made. So in looking at that, you're going to come mess with me? You got to talk to my big brother. Because then you're going to mess with him. And my big brother's big. (laughs) He's, He's really big. In whatever state that I am in. Thing is, this learning contentment, as Paul put it, how is the best way to learn it? The issues of life. You don't learn contentment on the mountaintop. You don't learn contentment when the bank account is overflowing. We don't learn contentment when it's bright and sunny. We don't learn contentment when it was like a few days ago, 72 and sunny in November. We learn contentment like it's going to be this coming week in the high 40s at night in the low 30s and November. That's how we learn. That whatever state that I am in, to be content. Stand with me, please. And I ask the worship team to come back. I'd like us to sing once again Goodness of God. Because churchy has been so good. So so good.